Hello, guys. Hey. So we are going to try something a little different right now. Yes. We're always coming up with ideas. Coming up with new things, being creative. (laughs) So there are a bunch of amazing artists out there, both alive and dead. Um, We love most of them. Mm -hmm. And we want to talk about them. And they're not like so much that it deserves a full episode. Like we just don't have that much information. But they're so important and we want you to know about them. Yeah, but it's just like little pieces of artists if you want to know more always do your own research because there's so much information out there truly so here is a bonus mini-sode about an artist that we like we decided the best way to look at all these amazing artists out there was to give them each their own episode so each episode or mini-sode as we're going to call them we want to look at what makes these artists who they are and why their art is so freaking awesome yeah because they're awesome it is it's oh Mm-hmm. can you tell that we love art love it love it <laughs> for our first artist we would thought we thought we would go with a classic johannes vermeer yes I'm, I'm ready so vermeer was a dutch painter and he lived from 1632 to 1675 aside from being an artist vermeer could also add innkeeper and art dealer to his resume Ooh. i know a well-rounded man mm-hmm He joined the Delft Artists Guild in 1653 and was known for his meticulous and very structured technique. Mm -hmm. Oh, and also like back in the day, guilds were a thing that artists would join to help them like make money and have a community. Yeah. And it made you like more legit. I mean, people still join guilds today. This is true, but I feel like it used to be much more common. Yeah, it's kind of like networking. Yes. So while Vermeer is only known to have painted around 40 to 45 paintings during his career, uh, 36, which have survived today, his painting technique has enthralled people for like ever. Yeah, he's he's really cool. Mm -hmm. So Vermeer's father was trained as a weaver. Oh, Uh, yeah, interesting. But by 1630, he was making his living as an art dealer and innkeeper, probably where Vermeer got the art keeper or the innkeeper and art dealer from i would imagine yeah so some believe it was his father's work as an art dealer that may have provided vermeer with his art education i mean probably makes sense because it is doubtful he was able to study under a master since his father's death in 1652 uh he was left also with his debts yeah plus like he was probably not high enough class for art teachers to be like hey you artists matter. used to be kind of like a little bougie yeah yeah they well, not everyone can be an artist no it was selective i mean like reasons that most of the older famous artists are not women right and also they're not like peasants or poor right or not white right <laughs> a year later in 1653 vermeer married a catholic woman and converted to catholicism because i mean he lived like in delft so he was protestant oh i see okay. yeah yeah so he converted to catholicism the two moved into her family's house in the heart of delft and ended up having 11 children oh my god right it's like one every single year or something jesus christ what's that show like 18 kids and counting or yeah something like that? the duggars yep Ugh. but i think like everyone had 11 kids i mean so. back then it's fair because like probably like half of them died so 
start with 11 you're left with like six that's cool. yeah probably in the end you got a good shot of someone <laughs> like a few of them making it <laughs> yeah carrying on the family name all good things but still like <sighs> props to his wife my god i know 11 11 yeah that like just... one is too many 11 is like disgusting that blows my mind i can't anyway. so lucky for vermeer his paintings sold for high enough prices to support his large family. Thank God. I know. Unfortunately, though, the Dutch market declined, or the Dutch art market declined during the 1670s. Yes. And when Vermeer died in 1675, at the age of only 43. Oh my God, he was so young. I know. His family was hurting for money. Damn. He managed to have that many kids and die at 43. Like, what the hell? Yeah, and make, like, 40 to 45 of his paintings, which I'm sure took him, like, bloody forever. Although, I mean, he didn't actually paint that many in comparison to some of his contemporary. This is true. But, like, he had 11 kids to worry about. Shit. I know. What's that thing in White Christmas where they're like, if you spend five minutes a day with each of them, that's 45 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's when he has, like, nine kids or something. (laughs) Right. So So Vermeer had to spend a lot of time with his children. He got, like, an hour basically yeah at least i know ben crosby was happy (laughs) so as we talked about uh vermeer didn't produce much work during his lifetime well like comparatively to other artists yeah like i think rembrandt might have been his contemporary and rembrandt made like a shit ton oh yeah and it's so funny because rembrandt still died penniless artists artists it's a tough life (laughs) We do it because we have no other choice. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty I think much. if most people could do other things, they'd be like, I would love to do something that actually made me money in but, my lifetime. It's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yes. Um, so on top of that, most of his paintings were sold to a small number of patrons in Delft. Half of Vermeer's paintings were acquired by a local art collector named Peter van Ruvigin. <laughs> I'm so sorry. The way you said Peter just reminds me of in what we do in the shadows when he's like, and here's Peter. <laughs> Is Peter coming to the flat meeting? <laughs> Peter's like two thousand years old. I think like yeah. I don't. Yeah, Peter's eight thousand years old. I don't think he's coming to the flat meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And what is that? Oh, is it a skeleton? Oh, chickens, a skeleton. Oh, it's a spine. He's like, isn't that nice? I've been meaning to talk to you about the mess, Peter. Like, <laughs> like maybe you could just like sweep some of this up. <laughs> Peter just hisses at him. He's like, okay. Yeah. I'll see you later. My friend has just been killed in a freak sunlight accident. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So while Vermeer did sell some of his paintings outside Delft to collectors in Amsterdam, The Hague and Antwerp, his minimal output and small number of patrons made him almost unknown during his time. Hmm. So Vermeer's man of mystery status was further cemented by the fact that no one knew who trained him and he had no pupils, which was like super common of painters at the time. Yeah, like you get trained by a master. You thus become like a master, a master and yeah. then you train people beneath you to kind of like. Yeah. And it was like a way to make money and a way to keep your craft going and get your name out there. And yeah. Stuff. There like, was no art school. It no. also is why a lot of painters seem to have a similar style. Yes. 
is because they were like trained by this one person who did it this way and then they continue to do it that way and yeah and they just keep yeah totally yeah so because of this after his death he was relegated to complete obscurity until the 19th century it's rough it's a real shame yeah so like for 200 years no one (laughs) yeah his family must have been so pissed i know i'd have been like god damn it one of vermeer's early paintings uh view of delft which he painted in 1662, is not the cityscape it appears to be at first glance. So his painting of Delph is not accurate. Oh. Yeah, he moved buildings around to create an ideal composition rather than what he saw. Crazy man. Yeah, and so he, in doing this, he made the city of Delft feel timeless. So he stressed horizontal lines. He created this, like, nice, quiet atmosphere. There's even light over everything that kind of emerges from beneath these clouds, like... Mm-hmm. It's very calm, serene. Basically, yeah. he took Delft and he was like, let's make it better. Yeah. <laughs> like Better, yeah. Let's make it look like this awesome place to live. Right. Um, Vermeer's most famous painting is The Girl with the Pearl Earring, which he painted in 1665. You might know it from the lovely uh, film by the same name. Yeah. Or there's a book also. Oh, there is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also just been parodied like a shit ton. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really famous. So it's actually a pretty unique painting for Vermeer. The girl is in the center of the painting, and she is the only thing illuminated against an otherwise black background. Mm-hmm. Normally he did kind of like these indoor Yeah, he had like whole scenes. Yeah, whole sets almost. Yeah. And the closeness of the girl gives the painting an intimate feel, like the viewer has caught her in a moment. Unlike other Vermeer paintings, where the woman is not aware of the viewer, she is looking right at them with her eyes wide and her lips parted like she's about to speak. Yeah, like she knows you just walked in on her. Yeah, like it's, you're like right there. You're not looking at it as like a voyeur. You are right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So her identity is unknown. So some have kind of compared her to Leonardo da Vinci's Mona Lisa. But she's not actually like the Mona Lisa. She's not a portrait. Oh, really? Yeah. So instead, the Dutch had this thing called trony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that I how you say it? Yeah. I remember learning about this. Yes. Right. So a trony is a character or type of person rather than an individual. Yeah. So it's not so much a specific person. It's kind of like a, per- you know, like people. Like more generic. Yeah. yeah. Like instead of being like this one girl, it's like girls. Right. So like perhaps when he was painting her, he didn't necessarily care if it looked like his model. It was more like I look like how I want her to look. Yeah. And also, I mean, his model is unknown. Right. So unlike with the Mona Lisa, where we know he painted a woman. Right. Named Lisa. Hopefully. No, I think she was. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. (laughs) It doesn't matter who she is, basically. Yeah. It's more of like a study. Right, so she is more of a study in light. Ah. Vermeer is super into light. Oh, yeah. So her face is created purely through light and shadow, which is kind of different than, like, a lot of things which are kind of done with lines and stuff. Like Right, like, the way I draw is, like, I draw out, like, the shadow, and then I would add in the color. Or I draw out the lines. Right. Whereas he just works with shadow and light. Right. Just harder. Um, But it does kind of give you this more realistic feel. Yeah, it's more realistic, but it's a lot harder. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, her face is created purely through light and shadow, and the care that Vermeer takes to accurately render her lips and earrings show his interest in the way light falls on different surfaces. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, like, he's obsessed with light. He cares about how it looks on her face, but then the pearls, obviously, are going to reflect, like, different. And he, he didn't just kind of do it the same way he did her face. He was like, how would a pearl reflect the light? Yeah, I feel like this is just kind of, like, the first introduction to Vermeer's like huge attention to realism and mm-hmm. detail. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Vermeer is probably best known for his paintings of women alone in their home or with a servant. And this is kind of like his set. So his women are usually occupied with an activity like writing, reading, or playing an instrument. His scenes are quiet indoor scenes with gentle colors. And I read in an old art history book, Quote, a world in which each object adds to the clarity and balance of the composition, which, quote, transports everyday scenes to a level of unearthly perfection, end quote. Some big talk. I know, right? I know. Unearthly perfection. It's just a room. She's just playing the piano. God. (laughs) Or is she? Or is she? So this is often a soft light coming from the window. Like his, like there's always like a window to the side and that's what lights the room. So Vermeer was known to be incredibly interested in the behavior of light, as we talked about with the girl with the pearl earring. Yeah, and even kind of like in that picture he did of Delft. Yeah, totally. Uh, One of his other well-known paintings called The Milkmaid is believed to have been painted in between 1657 and 1658. And in this painting, a single woman or milkmaid is pouring milk into a large bowl. What? What? Which is surrounded by bread. It is believed she is making bread pudding. Oh. Fuck yeah. Cool, cool. Um, And she's next to a window with Vermeer's characteristic soft light streaming in. She seems unaware of the viewer and is completely focused on the chore that she is doing. The painting is able to convey not just details, but a sense of weight. Karen Rosenberg, an art critic from the New York Times, wrote, quote, The light, though bright, doesn't wash out the rough texture of the bread crust or flatten the volume of the maid's thick waist and rounded shoulders, end quote. So meaning like, like when you take a picture and it's like super washed out, like he was able to not do that. Right. He kept it realistic. Yeah. He was able to use his light to define the form and define the subject. But even to go so far into detail as like he could still tell that the bread crust is like crusty right yeah it's like, yes yeah it's not uniform and soft and all that kind of stuff right like details that he like, didn't really have to do like you know it's bread yeah but, like they're just gorgeous mm-hmm. so since half of her face is in shadow it's difficult to determine what the milkmaid is thinking giving her like a mona lisa-esque mystery yeah so it's kind of you know she's involved in this task, but you're kind of just watching her. Right. So you like, don't know anything about her. Yeah, like, who is she? Why is she there? Like, who? she's making pudding. Who is she making it for? Like, what did she do this morning? Like, maybe she's thinking about something completely different. Yeah. For me, the Mona-esque, Mona Lisa-esque mystery refers to, like, her little coy smile and how, like, you don't really know anything about her kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a mystery. You can't tell everything about the subject from the painting. Yeah, but that's what makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. So the idea that Vermeer used the camera obscura in his paintings is actually hotly contested in the world of art history. This is literally my favorite part of Vermeer. (laughs) Yeah. And so while researching, I read in some places that he absolutely did not use it and in others that they believe he did. Oh, I didn't realize it was such a 
controversy. Yeah, some were like he was aware of the idea, kind mm-hmm. of like of the camera obscura, and he might have based his technique off of it or something. But right, people and, weren't like he for sure used the camera obscura. And yeah, and then some people were like, "There's no other way." Yeah. So either way, the camera obscura is a pretty cool little device, and it was used during the Renaissance, which is basically when Vermeer lived, right? Yeah. Well, he lived like a little bit after the Renaissance. Okay. Like the high Renaissance was like the 1500s. Okay. So yeah. he lived like just after it. Yeah. So it's a very early camera. Mm-hmm. Hence the name. And it's made up of a dark box, a room with a hole in the side. A lens was sometimes inserted into the hole. And for anyone who's made a pinhole camera, it's basically that. Yeah, pretty much. So the light from outside, which usually consisted of an object or room because that's what light does... Yes. Would shine through the hole and cast an upside down image in the dark box or room. Right. And if you haven't made a pinhole camera, another way to get the feel um, is to go into a small room with a window, turn off all the lights in the room and get a piece of paper or cardboard large enough to cover the entire window. Yep. We actually did this in like one of my classes. Oh, really? Yeah. So turn off all the lights, cover the window and poke a little hole and it, it... it's better when it's little. Yeah. Into the paper or cardboard and let the magic begin. So basically, the image of the world outside the window should be cast upon the opposite wall, only upside down. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, so you're kind of like in a giant pinhole camera. Yeah, so you can really do it like to like any size. Like you mm-hmm. could do like a f- like a huge room or like a box it really just depends and then like obviously the bigger the room is the bigger your image is going to be right and so basically with a pinhole camera instead of just casting it onto a wall you're casting it onto a sheet of like light light sensitive paper yeah right so you're capturing it you're exposing it and then you take it you put it in all the little Mm -hmm. chemical baths and boom you get what's it called like an inverse oh yeah yeah you got a um it's an inv- inverted yeah but like a negative a, a negative a you negative. get a negative of the positive image there was this documentary that we saw that honestly i loved i thought it was super fascinating i, I really loved it too it's called tim's vermeer mm-hmm. um so it is directed by teller and produced by pen gillette mm-hmm. of pen and teller like the magicians mm-hmm um i like we highly recommend it we loved it yes uh it really delves into the debated techniques that vermeer is believed to have used to create his almost photographic like paintings Mm -hmm. because people said that like in his work like there were certain things that he had in his work that was like yes this is really how it is in life but like your brain would change that yeah it's kind of like he painted from like a photograph almost yeah like if if you were just like looking at the world and redrawing it, your brain would be like, that's weird. I'm going to do it differently. Yeah. But if you're literally tracing it, your brain's like, well, I'm tracing it. So like whatever. Yeah. You're, yeah. yeah. So that's, I think, one of the main reasons they think he used it, a camera obscura. So Tim Jensen, who is an inventor and owner of a computer graphics company. So he has some money to spend. Yeah. Like he has money to spend. Yeah. It's made clear. Yes. Um, he is fascinated by Johannes Vermeer and he wants to test the theory that Vermeer was able to paint his photograph like paintings with the use of a camera obscura. Yeah. And so actually David Hockney, Mm -hmm. another dope artist, we'll get there, wrote a book 
uh, saying that he believed that Vermeer used the camera obscura. And oh. I think this this and another book oh, kind yeah. of like started this idea for him. Oh, I didn't know that David Hockney was involved in it. Yep. That's cool. Um, so through trial and error, Jensen confirms his theory that Vermeer most likely used a camera obscura with a mirror. And so the addition of the mirror makes it possible to exactly match the colors of the room. Yeah, because if you just like a straight camera obscura gives you kind of like a muted. Yeah, it's like washed out. Yeah. So if you use like a lens, then it's much more. Not even a lens. It was like he had to have the mirror. Oh, okay. Bounce the light off. Oh, yeah, that was it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, And so using the technique of camera obscura with a mirror, Jensen is able to accurately repaint Vermeer's The Music Lesson. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, it it's like it looks like a Vermeer. Like it's shocking. I mean, it takes him what like seven months or something, but it takes he does him forever. It. Yeah. So, of course, because of his considerable wealth, he basically sets up an exact replica room to use with his camera obscura. It's like it's wild. Yeah, because you couldn't really use a camera obscura from like a picture. No. So what he does is he like. Literally creates a music lesson with a room and then puts a little box like in front of it. And then every day he like goes in and uses that. I feel like he had to like make his own artificial light too. I think he did. Yeah. I think he made, yeah, like a the Vermeer-esque light. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's like, it's crazy. He had like reproductions done yeah. of all the stuff in the room. Like he got a little model. Who yeah. wasn't always there, but still mm-hmm. like it is to a T yeah, what the painting looks like. It's amazing. And like the way he does it, it's almost like, it almost reminds me of like color by numbers. Mm-hmm. Like he literally just like traces it and just like tries to recreate it completely. Like, and he's not an artist. Yeah, he definitely says that. Like he's like, I mean like, yeah, like he can paint, like he like knows the basics, but like he's not a trained artist. Yeah. And he does a damn good job. Yeah. And it's like basically he just mixes the color so it matches. Yep. And he can tell when it matches because the line created kind of like by where the image would end goes away. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And then he just like paints the little area. Yeah. It's it's, crazy. It's crazy. And I mean, like, yeah, it just I think I thought it was super interesting, though. Yeah, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. And I think it shows watching him do this shows like how incredibly detailed and skilled Vermeer was. Yeah. And also just like how much detail you can get with it. Yeah, totally. Like, it provides him an intense amount of detail. Right, for this technique that was invented, like, 500 years ago. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because I think people see detail, but unless they're, like, specifically looking at it, they don't necessarily pick up on it the way that, like, the camera obscura does. Yeah, because it forces you to. Yeah, because it's... It doesn't do the thing human eyes do. Yeah. Where it like focuses kind of on right. an area. Or it doesn't like kind of correct to make it make more sense. Yeah. Yeah. But very cool. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. So um, there is absolutely no doubt that Vermeer was an extremely talented painter. Yes. Like regardless. Mm-hmm. Super talented. But I don't know. I have to admit that using a camera obscura would explain how he was able to do like such a perfect recreation of the diffusion of light. Yeah, because, yeah, diffusion of light is hard. Can be tricky. And I think, like, 
even if he used the camera obscura sort of like a practice like even then but i mean for that um like outside painting of delft like there's he couldn't have yeah but then he changed it right exactly so he couldn't have used a camera obscura right but he also i think it's different because if you look at that painting it's it's not bad or anything it's just different Mm, i see it's not this like super detailed oh let's see yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. you know it's like kind of like a little looser the landscape paintings at the time Mm -hmm. because it's it's giving you like the cityscape right yeah 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 you're right far away it's kind of like we get the idea that these are buildings this part's light this part's dark yeah you're right you're right but still yeah um, so while Vermeer's career was short, today he is one of the most famous Dutch painters of all time. Mm-hmm. And his unique style makes his work almost instantly recognizable and highly prized around the world. Um, his work is scattered throughout the world and some of his most famous being in his homeland of the Netherlands and also in the U.S. Yeah, the Met has some pretty famous ones. I believe that the girl with the pearl earring is... At a museum in The Hague, I want to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then another cool thing about Vermeer is, like, because he made so few works and because he was so unknown, there's, like, a lot of controversy about, like, finding Vermeers mm-hmm. and, like, people, like, faking them and, like, is this really a Vermeer? Like, the whole, like, lost Vermeer thing is, like, a really mm-hmm. big deal in, like, the art collector world. Yeah. And I think that he probably emulated some styles and some people emulated him in a little because... Right. I mean, like, art plays off of other art like it right. just does there's no way to do something that no one else has done yeah like it's impossible yeah you can tell it's like Vermeer. yes he does still have a distinct style in like art in general mm-hmm. yeah and i just think he's like super fascinating probably because we just don't know very much about him mm-hmm. so yeah international man of mystery truly <laughs> So hopefully you guys like this little bonus episode and you got at least a brief overview of Johannes Vermeer because, I mean, like, they're minisodes, so we're not going to delve into, like, right. And this I is mean, when he was born. This is when he learned to ride a bike. This, you know, like. Yeah. And it's like, I like Vermeer. I love Vermeer. I love his paintings. But, like, do I want to know every day that he lived? Like, no, not really. Right. These <laughs> are just kind of, like, introductions, overviews to see if both, like, we and you guys like them yeah right like if you like what we've talked about go and look them up like there's so much more about him yeah it's just like a little a little taste a little amuse-bouche if you will (laughs) yes 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 we're very classy truly so we're we're planning on doing more of these um both with historical and working artists of today Mm -hmm. because it's cool to talk about people that are alive yeah, while they're alive. Totally. Completely. Because I think that's something that people sometimes forget is like there are artists working today who you can literally buy their work today. Yeah. Like you could go, you could email them and be like, what up? And it would really help them yeah. to live and continue to make art. Yeah. So we can't forget about them. And we're also probably going to talk about some art terms. Right. Because we know that we come into this as like artists i guess yeah and i mean like we're not experts but like we've taken classes we know general terms that if you haven't had to take like six art history classes you probably just don't know because you just haven't studied it right and to be honest it's also not really a focus of our podcast but we feel like they're they're good to know yeah especially 
they're helpful terms yeah especially because i think we sometimes refer to them and yeah we should probably do better about kind of defining these things totally. if we're gonna refer to them plus knowledge yeah so well we're probably going to include some of these bonus episodes in like our regular queue that we kind of release to everyone we're planning on putting a lot of these in our patreon yes what is patreon you may ask um patreon is a cool little way that you can support this podcast basically you join it you pay kind of like i want to say like dude yeah i don't know it's like a subscription kind of yeah so you pledge to pay a certain amount of money based on predetermined tiers that we've created to support our podcast and in return we give you extra content right so we have levels starting at two dollars a month which is pretty i mean i think it's it's not bad it's not too bad plus i mean if you like us like we both are patrons for other podcasts that we enjoy Mm-hmm. It's a- and it's it's cool i mean you do get a lot of extra content i mean if you even if you join us at the two dollar a month level you'll get bonus episodes as well as a free art club sticker mm-hmm. and other goodies yeah who knows and then if you like what you're getting but you want a lot more i mean it goes up it, we have five it goes up to 20 yeah but so but it would just be a great way to support us and we will definitely make it worth your while. So yes. here's just a little preview of some of the things that you'll be getting if yeah. you decide to become a patron. Yeah. And it's not to say we won't drop in little mini-sodes here and there. Totally. But we're going to actively try and include mini-sodes every month to our patrons. Yes. So. As a little thank you. Yeah. So we hope you guys thought this was useful i thought it was kind of fun to learn a little bit more about vermeer totally fun i loved it yeah so thanks for listening yep i um, think if you want to join the patreon you can find it on our website at artclubpodcast.com mm-hmm. just think about it and if not hopefully you enjoyed a little tidbit on johannes vermeer yeah and we'll probably do some more in the future but definitely yes they'll come at random so definitely subscribe gotta keep you on your toes yep All right. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye.